Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Well, we're going to move into uh, word time. We're going to hear God's word, and we're going to hear it from one of our founding members. If you were here a few weeks ago, you'd have heard the history of our church, the Vine Church, and central to that are a couple sitting at the back there, uh, Adrian and Muriel Turk. Um, just turn and embarrass them, and uh, you'll see a blue, uh, what do you call that, jumper? Blue, uh, blue, blue, cardigan, that's the word. That's Muriel, in case you were wondering. Could you just welcome Adrian up this morning? Thirty years ago, I wandered into the Vine Church, uh, and Adrian was an even younger man then. And uh, he has been fundamental in my life to keep me here to keep me in faith, the foundation he helped lay, the care he showed me, the inspiration he gave, coming across to Edinburgh to lead the group that we were serving for years and years and years, to helping us um, build this church, build this place. And I'm indebted to Adrian Amuro for the love they showed me over the years. So it feels slightly weird welcoming one of my heroes uh, into the place that he built, but that's how it is. So without embarrassing you any further, Adrian, God bless you, and thank you for this. Thank you, Alan. That was, uh, that was very nice. I really appreciate that. It's good to be here. Um, the title of what I want to share this morning is called The Difference Makers, and I would appreciate if we could put the timer on so I don't speak more than two hours. I normally speak two hours. No, no more than 30 minutes. And... Um, yeah, the difference makers, the, the, my passage, if you have a Bible, if you can turn to the second book of Corinthians, Corinthians 2, chapter 5, and I'll try and see if this works the other way. All right. Okay. Thanks, Bill. I shouldn't have touched it. I should have let the girls do it at the back. But uh, if you have a Bible, we're looking at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Let me read these words, the words. Therefore, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom in your word. Thank you for the power in your word. And I pray that this word, when we read this word, would bear much fruit in our lives, that your name would be glorified and the church of Jesus Christ would grow. 
That's all our prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, I was 60 this year. Wow, I never thought I'd stand up here and say I was 60 this year. And um, in all those years of being uh, a young man growing up in this church, um, I, I was involved with church most of my life. I think I got saved when I was 16 and been in this church, this awesome church, most of those days. Um, and uh, it's been truly uh, an incredible journey, and um, I'm grateful to God. I'm a husband to one wife. Um, I'm a father to three girls. I have one dog, three grandchildren, and I love my dog. In fact, my girls think I love my dog more than I love them, and I tell them it's their sister now. And uh, they refuse to accept that my dog is their sister. But she's my little girl. But you know, um, a few years ago, I came out of leadership here. I was uh, sort of pastoring one of the eldership team here for 35 years. And I felt it was right to, to come out of uh, leadership. <clears throat> and then last year, I came out of my business. I had a construction company I ran for 40 years. And, uh, and then my phone stopped ringing. Church, nobody was ringing me from church. Nobody was ringing me from business. And uh, you go through a little bit of identity crisis when that happens. And uh, I thought it would be great that nobody would ring me. I'd be checking my phone. Why isn't anybody contacting me? Um, and I just thought that God had finished with me. Now, I asked him, God, have you finished with me? And he said that he hadn't finished with me. But I find it really hard to believe that. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. No matter what age you are, just sometimes we can think that, you know, God doesn't have a place for me. God doesn't have a, a, a kind of a job for me. Maybe he doesn't need me to help in the church anymore. He doesn't need to help me in, in the world anymore. Um, and those kind of negative words begin to sink into my heart that, oh, man, maybe, maybe I should just, you know, stay at home and vegetate or watch all these hundreds of box sets that we have on the TV. Maybe that's what my vocation in life will be. But God had other plans, and uh, you know, I found it hard to receive that word that God had something else for me. And maybe you feel like that sometimes, that you know, God is waving and saying, look, I'm here, I need to use you. I want you to be part of my perfect plan here in the church, in your life, in your, in your family. But we, but we don't Sometimes it doesn't get beyond our head into our heart, and we, we may be indifferent, we may be disconnected. I like the word disconnected, because I think for a period of time, I'll be honest with you, very open and honest with you this morning, there was a period of time, I think, when I came out of leadership of the church, when I came out of business, when I thought, well, I'm a bit disconnected. And uh, that's kind of an insipid kind of feeling, because it just creeps up on you, and then you suddenly realize that you're kind of nowhere you are somewhere, you know, I knew the Lord, I prayed, I read my Bible, but I thought, God, I don't quite know what you want me to do next with my life. Anyway, uh, a dear friend of mine sent me this email, and it was our pastor, Aaron, and he said, look, there's this charity called Compassion are looking for someone to work for, why don't you just go and, um, and I thought, oh, Aaron, I can't put a suit on again and go for an interview for a job, and I spoke to my wife and my girls, and they said, come on, Dad, you can do this. It's great. You're working, helping children in poverty. Anyway, long story short, 
I'm honored to work with churches, and I've now, um, uh, you know, I've been working with 30, 40 churches, even in the short time of being working with Compassion. And it's been a real blessing to work with church leaders to understand a little bit about what's on their plate and how difficult their job can be, and to feel I make a difference. We all want to make a difference. We're on this earth to make a difference. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a senior pastor from, for, in this church for years or whether you're a pastor now or the elders or whatever. You can sometimes feel that you don't make a difference. You could swallow that. Anybody, any one of us here can think, I don't think my life really counts for much. But, you know, God has shown me, and God, I really believe, wants to speak to every single one of us here, uh, no matter what age, whether we're 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, that you can make a difference. And uh, I went to um, Uganda, Dave and Helen know Uganda so well, just a few weeks ago, and um, I saw this little boy on a project, and uh, I don't know, just something, you know, I just, I just was like, I was emotional, I, just, I was moved by this little boy, and uh, I said to, to the team we were with, I said, do you know this little boy has a sponsor? Now, he was part of a program that we run in Compassion called Child Survival Program, and we look after mothers from kind of conception, really, till their children are about 20, 24 months. So they, are, you know, they come into the local church in the community, um, they're fed and they're educated and there's medical needs and they're, they're helped right through that process before they're then available to be sponsored by people like you and me. And I said, has that little boy got a sponsor? And they said, and they went away and came back. I said, no, he hasn't got a sponsor. And I said, I, I just need to text my wife you know, in Scotland because we sponsor two kids and I need to make sure she's happy with it. So I texted Muriel. I said, Muriel, I know we've got two kids sponsored, but there's this little boy called Joshua, he's 17 months, and I really want us to sponsor him. And I'm waiting for this reply, and I said to them before I got the reply, <laughs> I never did tell you that, did I, Muriel? I'm sorry. That. <laughs> I said, oh, we want to sponsor him. And then about a minute later, this text came back, and it was just, it just said, before an exclamation mark, okay. <laughs> Mira doesn't send long texts. <laughs> Could have said no exclamation mark. And um, so we sponsored this little boy, and uh, there's his mother. And, uh, you know, I'm telling this story because it was just an honor to meet somebody that we can make a difference with in another country. And, uh, you know, we've heard amazing stories from Dave and Helen about the work that's taking place in the in the churches, in, you know, conversion of Muslims, and we're, we're, you know, it's just an honor to make a difference, to be part of that process. And uh, I asked if I could meet his, this little boy's family. His, his father is present. He's, he works in the community. A lot of fathers in these countries are not present. They've, they've gone. They've disappeared. They've, you know, so many single-parent families. It's just unbelievable. But I asked if I could meet his family, and he took me back to the house, and uh, I met his brother, that's the boy I'm holding, he's got cerebral palsy, he's severely, and I didn't know this when, I, when we sponsored him, or sponsored his brother, that he had a four-year-old brother about the same size as, as uh, Joshua, who can't speak, can't walk, can't talk, 
can't, can't even eat properly as food has to be mashed. Now, you've got to understand that in our society, when, when we have profoundly disabled children, there, there's at least an infrastructure where it could be cared for. There's physios, there's doctors, there's, there's support. We may complain about NHS, but I tell you what, they've got nothing out there. Nothing for that little boy who sits most of the time in a room in the dark. And I thought, I need to buy him a wheelchair, but a wheelchair is no good because the terrain is so bad there. And, and I just realized then that the fact that we are sponsoring his brother has an effect on the family. And that's the best way that we can make a difference in that family. And I, I just show you that because um, we can't all have do what I do. We can do it in certain ways. We can do lots of other things. Today, I want to speak a little bit about how we make a difference in our families, how we make a difference in our street, how we make a difference in our community. But uh, it was a privilege to be part of an organization when I thought God was going to say, there's nothing I need you to do. You don't make a difference. And uh, for that, I'm grateful. So we can all feel that. And uh, I want to challenge you today not to swallow the the belief that we're, that we're weak and we're no good and, and, that, and that God doesn't need us. But you know, that's the kind of people that God does need. He doesn't need the people of God at all together. And when I look out on you, many of you I know, I can just see you don't have it all together. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Because the Word of God says, and we've got to understand the Word of God, that it says in 1 Corinthians 1, and I'm reading from the NIV, it says, brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise things. Okay? He chose. He, he chose to choose you and I who haven't got it all together to have a major impact in a world that's supposed to have it all together. Now, we need to understand that. We need to hear that today. And we, we genuinely need to take that word and believe that scripture. You know, we need to understand that God, and how many times have you heard that from this platform? God has chosen us. And then we, we're indifferent towards it. And we walk out of this place and we think, well, I don't know, it doesn't really affect me. And I, I've thought like that before. But we've got to understand that God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. We've got to be like the wise builders who, as you know that word where it says those who heard the word of God and acted on that word were like the wise man that built his house on rock. The rains came, the storms of life came, but it didn't demolish the house because it had been built on rock. And that's those that hear the word of God and act on the word of God. See, we hear a lot of the word of God, but we don't always act on the word of God. And when we don't act on the word of, the God, on the word of God, we can be like the foolish man who built his hand on, house on the sand. The rains came and it washed that house away because it didn't have a foundation. And, and I implore you today, as we look at these verses in 2 Corinthians 5 about um, being ambassadors, that you take the word of God and you make that decision to do something with the word of God. So, the difference makers. You know, I was, um, I'm, I'm 
60. How many people here are 60 or over? Just put your hands up. Just be honest. Okay, 60. Okay. Dave, how, how old are you? 51. Sorry? 51. How, how long do you think you're going to live? <laughs> Sorry? It's okay. Another 15. What does that make? What's 71 and 15? Sorry? 86. I would be, I'd be happy with 85, 86. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm 60. That gives me, you know, I want to show you this little illustration. I just want to show you something right now. Tape measure. And, uh, so let's put the glasses on. It doesn't go over 60. And, uh, 85, you said, Dave, didn't you? I'd be happy with 85. So, so that's my life. But actually, I'm 60. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, this is depressing. It's a good job I'm not 83. <laughs> that's, that's what I've got left. And I want to be a, a difference maker. Wow. That's not a lot of time. But it's 25 years. Now, for many of you, you've got 35, 45, and more to make a difference. You know, in my experience of going around churches, I have seen a number of things which have kind of disturbed me. And I've seen churches, on the whole, that are quite small, that are dying on their feet, and where 90% of the work is being done by 10% of the people. And I've met pastors who said, I can't be here next week because I'm painting the bathroom, or I'm digging this or I'm doing that and uh, 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 but they're not pastoring they're not leading the church because there's nobody in the churches and there's the harsh realization that that the difference makers that are going to see churches grow are you and I it's not going to be the pastors although pastors will play a part it's not going to be the missionaries in, in, in days gone by when you know when churches were more vibrant or more were bigger um, we could say, oh, we've got the, the evangelism team over there. They'll take care of evangelism because I'm doing other things that are more important. But that's, that's just not true. It's not biblical. It never was biblical, and it's not biblical, and it's not true today. The truth of the matter is that the work of churches growing falls on the laps of me and you. And I, I think it's taken me probably three years of kind of wandering around a bit to realize how special this church is and how important the local church is for the community and the people of Dunfermline and, and the surrounding districts. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? That's the challenge for, for you and I, that um, if I don't make a difference, and in my last 16, 17 minutes, I'll explain what that making a difference I believe is, if I don't do it and you don't do it, who on earth is going to do it? That's the, that's the challenge. It must be 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. And, uh, you know, I said to Aaron, I said, Aaron, I'm, you know, I've kind of been away. I'm, I'm tied up a lot with compassion. I'm away a lot of Sundays. But, brother, I just want to, I don't, I, I'll come and do anything to help because I've had a revelation from God about what the church needs before the church dies. I don't mean this church dying, I mean the church, because churches are getting smaller and smaller. I think you said to me, what, is it 10 a month or in Scotland are closing? There was 20 churches in 
Shetland closed last month. And that's, that's the state of the church. And we, we're in a different time, folks, than, than we've ever been. We've got schools where kids don't know who Jesus is. I was speaking at a, church, a primary school not very long ago uh, to a bunch of uh, primary sevens, and I said this. I said, when Christ came, and I didn't even get a sentence out when two boys at the back started giggling. And I stopped. I said, boys, what are you laughing at? And they said, oh, you swore like my dad. Uh, I thought, I didn't swear. I, my dad says Christ. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then it obviously hit me, and we've, we all know this, um, that we've got kids today in our schools who have no understanding of who Jesus is. Don't know any, any Bible verses or, or, or hymns or songs and, and don't know what, in any way what Christ or the Bible is. I'll illustrate this uh, in, in a funny way, which um, would be to the detriment of my granddaughter. She's seven, and she says to her mom the other day, Mom, how many, how many grains of sand are there in the world? And Leah said, oh, I don't know, darling, but someone does know. And Millie looked at her and she said, who, who knows that like? She says, it begins with G. And Millie said, ah, is it Google? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Leah, you got a bit of work to do there, honey. You know, <laughs> Is it Google? Well, it might be. But it definitely is God. That's what our schools are like. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 has amazing words. And you know, they say that most preachers have just got one message really. And I suppose this is my message. And it's something that's very much in my heart that we're not ordinary people. We're people who have been called by God to be ambassadors, to, to, to be different. And the dictionary says an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country. So we're diplomats in a foreign country, in the world. But like I said a little while ago, if it's not us, who on earth is it? But it says there in verse 17, therefore, thank you. it says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come the old is gone. So when we made that decision to follow Jesus, the old nature is gone. The old clothes, if you like, are being thrown off. We've got the new garments on. We've got the Spirit of God on. The new is here, verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave you and I the ministry of reconciliation. That God who reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, that's you and us, you and I, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through you and I. Uh, that word, reconcile, or reconciliation, it always... I find these kind of things always throw up an image for me. And the image I have is, is almost like an electric cable where, you know, there's 
we're in the middle between the people that we know that don't know Jesus and, and the Godhead here. And our job as, as, as conductors is to, is to pull that cable together. That's what reconciliation is. It's bringing people to a place where they're joined with God. That's our, our job. That, and it reminds me of a film I used to, one of my favorite Christmas films called The... Uh, the Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and uh, it's a crazy, crazy film and it's, we watch it every year. You ever get those films like you know, Home Alone or whatever that you always go on a few weeks before Christmas but in this particular uh, uh, scene I think of, it's this guy Clark Griswold. He's this, he wants to, he's got all these Christmas lights on his house and he's got something like, I don't know, 150,000 lights on his house and uh, this it's so much, it's so well lit that they have to switch another power supply on because uh, he's taken all the power in the community away from these lights. But anyway, he puts all these lights and then he realizes there's a few bulbs out and he goes to plug the lights in and they don't work. <laughs> so he's got to go through these 150,000 bulbs one by one to discover why his bulb doesn't work. And I don't know if we can just show this little clip. This is what I think of when I think of reconciliation. Ministry of Reconciliation. Can we try this? <laughs> so short and sweet. So, I wanted to share with you just five keys, I believe. Five things for you to remember if you remember nothing else about what I'm saying here um, that I believe are, are vitally important in this ministry of, of reconciliation. So, number one, be who God made you to be. God has put his Holy Spirit in our hearts, folks. And uh, we get busy being busy, don't we? We get busy doing all sorts of things, and often it's not what God's asked us to do. But God has placed in us His Holy Spirit. God has put passion in us. And the reason we get so disconnected, the reason we, get, um, we don't ultimately understand what God is doing in our life is because we get so busy with other things. And, and I, I just implore you today, you know, go back to Father and say, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you've placed inside of me. And I said that when I went to work for Compassion. I said, Father, thank you that I can make a difference. But it was just the beginning, not the end. And it's not just one thing. It was a many that God challenged me to be. So, you know, be who God made you to be. Just throw off all the complication, all the things that would hinder and hold you back, and all the busyness that we all, I hear it so often, and I hear it from church leaders who tell me the reason they haven't got people to help in the church is all the congregation are too busy. Now, of course, bringing up family is important, it's vitally important, and that's busy, but it's no different for 30 years ago when we had three kids and we were busy, we still recognized the need for us to be who God wanted us to be. Yeah, to be a good father, to be, you know, to be a good husband, but to be a good disciple maker, to make a difference. The second one, God doesn't see our mess. Oh my goodness me. I could, 
speak for hours about the times I've messed up. And then we write ourselves off because we've blown it again. But God doesn't see our mess-ups, folks. He sees Jesus. He sees the heart of Jesus in each one of us. He sees the potential. He doesn't see what we've got wrong. He doesn't see what we haven't done. He sees what we can do from today because today is the day that it has to start. Number three, I challenge you in, a, in a, an age where we are more distracted, I think, than, than we've ever been before, that we, we need, and you, look folks, we've all heard these words before, we've all heard, heard the scriptures before, but it's imperative that we make some adjustments in our lives whereby we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. There are so many times when I've taken my eyes off Jesus, and I've done something else, which has disconnected me from his plans and his purposes. But you know that story of, of, of the disciples being in the boat and, and Jesus walking on the water and the disciples were frightened. They saw what they thought was a ghost and then Peter said, is that you, Lord? And Jesus said, um, in Matthew 14, Jesus said, yes, Peter, it's me. And Peter said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come and walk on the water and come to you. So Jesus said to Peter, come. So Peter steps out of the boat, and he steps on the water, walks on the water. And as he's walking towards Jesus, what does he do? Who can tell me what he does? He takes his eyes off Jesus. He sees the storm. And how often have we taken our eyes off Jesus? And we look at the difficulties that we've all got in our lives. And what happened to Peter? He began to sink. And Jesus pulled him up from, as he began to sink, and said, oh, you have little faith. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And if we can do that in simplicity without being busy for busy's sake, I truly believe we're going to see the church of Jesus Christ in this place grow. Let me give you another couple. And this is a really important one. It begins with our words. Do you realize, do you realize how important your words are? Do you realize how important the words that you speak today to your wife or your husband or your children or your neighbor or your work colleague, how important those words are, how important what we say is. If we to be ambassadors, folks, we first to be ambassadors in our own home to our children, to our wives, to our husbands. I'm, I'm honored that when I get a birthday card, from my girls, three girls, and I'm not saying this in arrogance or to be boastful, but invariably when I get a birthday card or a Father's Day card, in it, somewhere in those cards, it will have the word hero. That I'm honored that my girls would say, Dad, you're my hero. There's things in your, your life. And I got a text from one of my girls this morning. She said, Dad, I thank you that in God, you are the man that's been a difference maker for me. What a, what a privilege, what a humbling thing to hear from a 33-year-old girl who would say that. Um, but it's because, folks, I've valued the importance of the words I would say to my kids, that a word in season, a word to encourage. You know, the, the Bible tells us that um, encouragement is an incredible medicine, Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today in order that our hearts don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there are consequences for a lack of words. 
But how important our words are. How important it is. I, I, I um, had a, a friend. Well, he was, she wasn't a friend. He was just a, a neighbor in the street. And Muriel kept on saying to me, Muriel, Dad, Adrian, he's, he's a lonely guy. You need to go and have a coffee or a drink with this guy. And uh, I, so I, I phoned him up. I said, look, uh, Bill, I said, do you want to go for, he goes to the pub. I mean, I don't go to the pub, so I don't, I, I said, do you want to go to the pub? So we went to the pub and he told me what he, he drank. So I drank what he drank. It was not vodka, no. <laughs> I drank what <laughs> And it was a pint of some heavy stuff. But anyway, um, and then he said, can I buy you a pint? I thought, oh, dearly me. <laughs> So he bought me a pint, which I hastened to add. I didn't finish, otherwise I never would have been able to walk home. Um, but for one and a half hours, he talked. And I know everything about his daughters, his past job, his wife, his cat, his wheelie bins. I know everything about this guy. Because he was such a lonely guy, he needed to talk. And Muriel said, did he, did he ask you anything? I said, no. Nothing, but that wasn't the objective. The objective was, I need to say, tell me. All I said to him at the beginning was, Bill, tell me a little bit about your life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Don't think I'll try that one again. <laughs> but, see, I believe ambassadors is simply doing this. Now, here's the crux of my message. Ambassadors are simply being men and women of God who have the Spirit of God who speak kind, upbuilding words to people around about them. I'm telling you, that's it. That's it. To my wife, to my children, to my grandchildren, I was going to say to my dog, but uh, I could say anything to her and she would come back. To my neighbor, you know, that I would speak words of encouragement. Folks, we've got men in our vicinity, not in this church, Christian men and non-Christian men who are fatherless and motherless women. You know, people are crying out for mentors who don't have them. I phoned a young, uh, text a young Christian guy just a few days ago who's not going to church, and I said to this guy, do you want to meet for a coffee? And he, I mean, he texted like he was sitting on his phone waiting for me. He said, name the time, name the place, I'll be there. And I thought, God, forgive me for, for the fact I've neglected this young guy who just wants to be fathered. Now, here's the challenge. You know, if we challenged, if we spoke to three people a day, this is not a big ask, folks. If we realize we've got the Spirit of God within us, if we understand that we're ambassadors of Christ, as if God were making an appeal through us, if we realize that that's our job, if, we spoke to th if I spoke to three people a day, that's 21 conversations a week. Now, that isn't me saying to my wife, do you want a cup of tea? That doesn't count as one, but it might do for the first time. But if I, you know, when I met these pastors, and I've met 40-odd pastors so far in the church, I have decided that I was going to go in there and leave that place with these guys feeling better about themselves than when I started to speak to them. And that I wouldn't tell them about compassion, I would just ask them about them. And that's been my objective, going and being a blessing to these pastors who need a great deal of encouragement, let me tell you. So if I spoke to three people a day, my next door neighbor, like Bill, 
or, or, um, or, or my family with a, with a deliberate word of encouragement, with a deliberate purpose of building these people up and building people up that, that are in our vicinity, our neighbors, our friends. If I did that three times a day, that would be 21 times a week. 21 more beneficial people than if I didn't do it. Folks, let me just tell you that this church will only grow if you and I bring people to this church. I don't believe, and this is a bit of a generalization, that it will just grow through, through social justice. And as important as that is, that we have soup kitchens and we've got um, you know, uh, various things that the church has a responsibility for. But generally, people do not come to church that way. They come to church through me building for going for another pint with Bill and you know, getting to love Bill, getting to get him to trust me and eventually bring them to church. Now, if we all did that, if we all took that responsibility, this church would double in size in less than 12 months, in six months. And if we all then did it with that number of congregation, we'll be a thousand within a couple of years. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Because that three times a week, if I do it, is a thousand and ninety-two times a year. And if God gives me 25 years, that's 27,300 people or opportunities I could to be an ambassador for Christ. 27,300. And then I can go to heaven. But he may give me longer. That's the challenge for us, folks. That's, that's, that's the challenge. And finally, we start with one. We leave this place today and say, hey, I'm going to take that verse, and I encourage you to look at that passage in your private prayers and your private devotions and allow the Word of God to dwell in you and impact you and recognize that you are an ambassador of Christ. And your words could change lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for our leaders here. Thank you for their heart after you. Father, thank you for this congregation and these faithful saints. I pray you'll turn us from, dare I say, pew sitters to disciple makers. You take us, Lord, from feeling that we can't make a contribution to winning souls. Because it's not about what we do, it's about Jesus in us. And for that, we're eternally grateful. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Adrian. I love that word. I would want to have the band just to finish one more song with us and let that sink in. Let's stand together, shall we?